People say you need to have, it's good to have a very narrow audience. For me, something else worked out and I am very happy to share. Once upon a time, there were tens of thousands of makers struggling. Every day they built for hours and hours but didn't ship and didn't earn enough income. One day, the No Code Wealth podcast and newsletter came to help them find the way. Because of this, makers became founders and earned the money they deserve. Because of this, founders can have growth, freedom, and wealth. Until tomorrow, No Code becomes the next big skill that changes the future of humanity. That's what I'm all about. Hello, my name is Abdulaziz, and from an ethical hacker to a European Ivy League business graduate to a hypnotherapist to a growth marketer, I've lost everything twice. And now I'm rebuilding my life one more time, 1% a day. The No Code Wealth podcast and newsletter are for the makers and founders who have the proactivity, perspective, and persistence to go on this journey with me and get from experts, as well as the experiences of other founders, the answers about money, marketing, and mindsets, so that makers become earners, earners become founders, and founders get freedom and create wealth. My guest today is awesome. Her name is Yvonne Hubert. And from the Embassy of the Republic of Poland to the Financial Times, from the Center for European Policy Analysis to the 13th World Summit of Nobel Peace Laureates, to today being the founder of the Three Seas Rooster, where she provides high-quality news about the politics, investments, economy of the Baltics, Black, and Adriatic, Adriatic Seas region. <laughs> I'm making lots of mistakes today. So to make sure, her name is Yvonne Huber, and this is going to be exciting. Yvonne, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for inviting me to your podcast. It's gonna be wonderful. And the first thing, because there is so much to talk about, let's speak about Yvonne, since you were a little girl, until you got to university. We will speak about university afterwards. Can you share your background, where you were born? What is the thing that got you started to become the Yvonne of today? That's a great question. I will start with that I was born in the U.S. However, later I was schooled in Europe. I'm a Polish-American, and both languages are my native language. Uh, living in Europe... I missed some parts about living in the U.S., and now I live in the U.S., and I, of course, miss, miss some things from back home in Poland and Europe. Uh, I always tried to combine both of these worlds in my private education and professional life. So this is where I am now, making, uh, creating a newsletter where I cover news from Central and Eastern Europe and the Three Seas Initiative in English. Wonderful. And to understand, I mean, you had a very colorful background with a lot of involvement in politics, whether it was uh, in the youth organizations that you joined or part of the European Union uh, 
um, work or the strategic work that you did, or even for the embassy of the Republic of Poland. Can you speak what attracted you to that world that is more economic? And do you consider yourself more of a diplomatic kind of person or a journalist? So I studied international affairs and international business. International affairs, diplomacy, politics are my points of interest. And that's where I tried to put my passion into work. And uh, that's where I found myself doing an internship in the embassy. That's how I made my way to work as a reporter for the Financial Times. And later I entered the think tank world of Washington, D.C. So it is my passion and I've been able to make profit out of it. Um, I do consider myself mostly a reporter, not even a journalist, but a reporter. So I mm, try my best to deliver information in a way press agencies do. And um, that's what that's what makes uh, that's what makes me the most uh, satisfied when it comes to my everyday professional life. I love that because when you do what what you love, you don't even work a day in your life. It's pure productivity and joy. And you mentioned you entered the think tank world in Washington D.C. and you turned it into profit. That's not even mentioned in your biography. Can you speak more about how you were involved with think tanks? What did you do? How is that world and what can you report about it? So Washington, D.C. is all about the government, the international affairs, and think tanks are a big part of it. I was a part of it for half a year, and uh, it was a greatly exciting uh, opportunity. Later, of course, the pandemic of 2020 took place, and uh, things slightly changed for me. And that's where I switched to writing my own newsletter and becoming, again, more of a journalist than a think tanker. And I, I find that I'm... Uh, more satisfied with my work when I when I'm a reporter and when I write news. Yes. So it's about satisfaction. What is the most satisfying thing about reporting news in your experience that in your own personal experience? When I would say when my audience just becomes up to date based on what I deliver, when it's the information is clear to them, when they can keep up with what's going on just by reading the information I provide. That is clear, that is short, and it's fact-based, and I know that I have their trust. I understand. So when you... It's trust. That's what you're speaking about. So you're more like uh, um, those AP... <laughs> you know, and the press agencies, that's your model that gives you the most satisfaction and you get trust by being objective. Is this how you describe your way of working? Exactly. I think you really caught the, the essence of, of what I'm trying to say. Uh, it's definitely the AP style. It's definitely the FT style as well. It's being reliable. It's being objective, but it's also checking the news. So we live in a times of a lot of fake news. This is not something that I would ever deliver. Yes. So can you speak a bit? I'm sure a lot of people would be curious about your 
experience in the financial times. Can you share more about how that was? What was it exactly how you expected or is it different? And what lesson maybe you have learned from that experience? The Financial Times was uh, one of the few dream jobs that I have. The newsletter that I'm doing now is another dream job, of course, but the FT taught me how to do my work well. It, I was a reporter in Poland and we covered news with the... We covered the news with the um, correspondent. It was two of us in the office in Warsaw. And we covered news on political issues, social issues, economical issues. It was very adventurous. A lot of things were taking place in Poland in the last four years. And I was in the middle of it. I was covering the news. I drove through the whole country, to speak with people, to later write what they had to tell when it comes to analysis pieces. It was a great, great opportunity, and it required a lot of precision. It required a lot of communication skills, of course, writing skills, but also um, just some empathy when you speak with people also about the topics that they share with you when it comes to social issues. It was a very, very interesting time for me. I can literally imagine it the way you're driving around. I imagine one of those uh, United Nations <laughs> four by fours are all over the place for some reason. But to ask you a bit more about that, objectivity is absolutely fundamental in your own views. I sense it and I understand that clarity and trust are primary for you. At the same time, sometimes to get access to better information, you have to network and get to know people who have that access. And sometimes, you know, those people might expect a bit of favorable uh, reporting, if I might say. How do you deal with this? And do you consider yourself somebody who is very deeply networked whether it's in Poland or in Washington, D.C., or are you more of a totally factual person who goes to collect the information, verify it, without adding into that the networking kind of uh, relationship? So when it comes to the EFT, of course, a part of the job, as for every journalist, and a great excitement is when you, do, when you receive scoops, so that is the news exclusively delivered to you. And that comes based on networking and relations that you establish. But what I do now when it comes to the newsletter, the Three C's Rooster, it's objective news that are, as you already mentioned, and I did in an AP style. And for now, there are no analysis there. And I also don't deliver any scoops there. I deliver updates from Central Europe on what already has been published. I understand, and I love that since it takes us to the next kind of segment or section, which is, let's try this. I would like to crystallize the idea and the core offer behind three roosters and see if we can make it better, make it more engaging, turn it into higher quality marketing, although you're doing a great job already. So you mentioned one thing, which is you don't do analysis, 
you don't search for scoops. What you do is you get information that is already published and make it uh, very short, to the point, verified, and deliver it to your audience so that they trust they're getting the correct information, right? Yes, that is correct. So what I learned living again in Washington, D.C. is that, in my opinion, there isn't enough information and enough attention to Central and Eastern Europe. There isn't enough of this information in English. So what I try to do is deliver updates from the countries that currently are one of the fastest ones growing in Europe in English to anyone who wants to stay up to date with the region. What I cover is infrastructure, political news, and social and economic news. Also, I have a section of some do-you-know information that are a little bit lighter and just an interesting fact about the region. And if I can just clarify, the countries that I cover are the ones that fall into the Three Seas Initiative, and it's the 12 European member states that I will now um, name. It is Austria, it's Bulgaria, it's Croatia, it's the Czech Republic, Estonia, Hungary, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, where I'm from, Romania, Slovakia, and Slovenia. So now in the U.S., in D.C., I also saw there is the momentum for information about the Developing Three Seas Initiative and the need to create an information platform and deliver news from these 12 countries of Central Europe. So this is what I'm doing through my newsletter. Okay, I love that. And I think you're doing a fantastic, fantastic job, and it's a very unique idea. At the same time, I would like to challenge you, since when I think as a marketer, we think in this way. If nobody is doing something, it's either really an innovative and needed and new idea, or there is no market, and that's why people tried before and failed. So to ask you first, who are you delivering this information to because you were mentioning that you need to clarify the names of the countries to the to my audience of course but does your audience is it like investors or people interested in the economy is it more other journalists and reporters or maybe it could be people in politics who would like to have uh, the latest, short, up-to-date information? Or what kind of typical and target market do you have? People say you need to have, it's good to have a very narrow audience. For me, something else worked out, and I'm very happy to share that my audience is diverse. So I have diplomats reading my newsletter. I have entrepreneurs reading my newsletter. I have students reading my newsletter. I also have embassy workers. And um, it's a broad audience and professionals and professors, everyone who wants to stay up to date with the region. I, I see that I deliver a pulse of the region in a way that every second day 
on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I just update the people who want to keep up with what's going on in Central Europe on the news. I they love that. Have- and, and yes, when they say you need to have a narrow market, it's to make it easier for people who don't have the marketing skills so that they will narrow down and that will be their uniqueness is their uh, specific narrow niche you don't need to and it's great that you don't have to but the actual thing is there is something called uh, psychographics and that people who want up-to-date succinct information on the three seas region have a commonality that is in the reason why or in something they're solving, or it's not necessarily in their job or their age and their demographics. Did you sense, and I don't know whether you get feedback from the people who you deliver the information to, but do you sense that they have a specific reason? Maybe it could be sentimental, like they're originally from that region and would like to keep up to date, which is in some ways, your own situation, or it can be something that they're like the students and the professors, they're teaching that information and the embassy workers, they need that for work and something like that. Can you speak about what feedback did you receive that allows you to know a bit about the reason why they joined the 3C Roosters? I definitely received feedback and uh, it was based on the need to subscribe and why people read it is first of all because of the interest in the region so they just want to know what's going on it's mainly um it's also i'm sorry it's also the expats or people who are europeans living abroad or half polish half uh, slovakian or just people living out of their own native country and looking for information delivered in English. Um, so it's also the need to receive concise information without the need to search for it, that just, it comes straight to your inbox after you're subscribed. And it's also the way that um, it's structured where it's short. The news that I write are short. It's one paragraph, mostly two. And um, there is, there are no ads, there are no other information from other countries, no section of um, sports or entertainment. It's really the news of the recent developments in those three countries and in the Three Seas Initiative. So this is what pulled people into it. This is the feedback I receive. I understand. And it's great. It's actually great feedback. And I love what you said at first. It makes me feel that your biggest kind of uh, group of people who are subscribing are those who have some kind of ties to the uh, region. Yes, yes. That's the nice word that you, you use. Thank you for that. Yes. And which is Already by itself, this is a target market. You don't need to say like to uh, professors or to politicians. It can be to people who have ties to the uh, region. 
which also separates people who don't even know, because I'm sure that you might ask some people and say, um, is, where is, no, I'm sure if you say, where is Poland, they know, I hope at least, <laughs> if you say, <laughs> you know, ask them what are the three seas regions. I'm sure only the people who have ties there will know them at the tip of the tongue. So to ask you about relevance, why now? What changed in the world? And you mentioned it, mentioned it actually a bit, but let's clarify. Why is now the right time for the three sea roosters news to exist? Thank you. It's a it's a great question that will fill the whole picture, I hope. So one factor that we already spoke about is people who have ties to Central Europe, but the other factor is the Three Seas Initiative, which is a project now between those 12 countries and with the U.S. support that is now growing and gaining momentum. So Central Europe is a region with various languages, history, and culture, and it's now gaining its momentum as well, and so is the Three Seas Initiative. And um, this is why I chose to do it now, because the attention is focused on this area. And these countries now, it's time for these countries to catch up with um, the West, and they are doing it. They are now developing their, between the North and the South, their own infrastructure, trade, energy, and digitalization. So now is the time to cover the news from this area, and this is what I'm doing. As an interesting thing to add, uh, actually the biggest trading partner of Germany now is the Three Seas countries, and Germany's import and export with Poland and Austria is bigger than with China. So these are the countries that fall into this region that are part of this initiative. And what I am doing now is creating an information platform for this growing initiative. I love that. And thank you for that information about Germany and the three seas region and Germany and Austria and Poland. And to challenge you a bit, I mean, I don't want to be hard on you, but um, I mean, a- a- everybody who says but, that means they, they will do the opposite of what they said. I don't want to. Okay. Somebody who has ties with the region, it doesn't matter to them that now it, that uh, the three C's, what did you call it? Was it like three C's? Yeah, the three C's. Yes, the Three Seas Initiative is for people who don't have ties, actually, with the Three Seas region. And your biggest readers are people who have ties already, which means that this is the initiative is great for the future of the Three Seas Rooster, but it's not what is creating subscribers right now. And that's what I'm interested in. What is working right now? Because... Until that stops working, that's where we should focus the most energy and attention and, um, you know, PR and all that on. So to ask you again, why are the people who have ties with the Three Seas region interested in news from it right now? Like, is there something that changed in the world that gives those people who have ties into the region 
a reason to keep in touch and to follow up with the news from there? Um, so it's not only the audience that I have now isn't only people with the ties to the region. It's also professors. It's also energy companies. It's also uh, diplomats. It's it's many of them do not have uh, any family or history ties with the region. What they are interested in is the is in the growth of this Three Seas Region Initiative. So the newsletter combines the needs of the of both audiences. That's how I see it and that's that's who reads it. It's it's both sides already are following what's going on. Great. And I love that actually and it it can it, it's working so it's better to not uh, mess with what is working or, as the French say, on change pas une équipe qui gagne. Let's speak about why should people subscribe now, like today? Is there something that motivates people to take action now? Because what we know about marketing is that most people will just wait until the last minute to do anything unless they have a reason to be motivated to subscribe now. So do you have something that encourages people to act today and subscribe to the Three C's um, rooster? So what is happening now is that with the emergence of these markets and with the support of the U.S., the U.S. invested actually $1 billion in the initiative um, there are a lot more investments happening in the region. So it's about quitting using coal. It's about the... Um, I like that, and it's wonderful. But I'm asking something a bit more about the newsletter itself. Okay, how many people are subscribed, if I may ask? Almost 1,000, I would say. Great. I'm, go- I'm getting there. <laughs> Wish me luck. <laughs> No, it, it's wonderful. We all start somewhere. And um, it's a, is there a, like, what is the subscription level? Do you have subscription levels to it? Like, can you tell a bit more about that? The subscription is free for everyone. And currently, the newsletter is delivered to everyone three times a week. I don't have any paid subscriptions yet. I am still considering what will be the next step if I will have ads or if I will be able to establish partnerships or if I will create a form of a paid subscription for the Three Seas Rooster. Great. And actually, just mentioning that you might make it paid, which is a possibility and it's true, encourages more people to subscribe while it's free. This is what I meant by the reason to act now or to say, um, if you subscribe in the next six months or three months, better if it's shorter, if you say, if you subscribe before January um, 30th or something like that, you get it three times per day. People who subscribe after, I mean, three times per week, people who subscribe after will get it twice or people who get it now while it's free will get uh, like a 50% discount if it becomes paid. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, definitely. Thank you for leading me there. It, that's that's what will happen actually when it comes to uh, 
January and the end of January, definitely some changes will take place when it comes to subscribing to the Three Seas Rooster. So it is for and free for that now. You let people, yeah, and that you let people on your Twitter and everywhere know this will get you more, much more subscribers because it creates urgency. Okay, thank you for the advice. I will, I will post it out there now after we speak. Yeah, sure. So let's now speak about your offer. This is not even your messaging, but we will do your messaging too because you're a wonderful human being. Okay, so this Three Seas Rooster newsletter delivers trustworthy, short news about the Three Seas region three times per week. I love so many threes in this. It's so lucky. <laughs> And this region is getting more and more developed and full of opportunities, especially now with the Three Seas initiative. And people who will read it will get the credible, verifiable information delivered to their uh, inboxes in a very short format so they don't need to search around the internet for information that might be totally misleading or wrong and waste that time you are taking care of that for them and this is both for people who have ties now to the three seas region as well as people who see the potential in the future for that region and the reason to subscribe now is that at the end of January, there is a high chance that this will become paid. So get now while it's possible. Thank you so much. That's exactly the message that is needed to be shared with the world. Selected news yes. from the Reese's region and hurry up to subscribe. <laughs> Yes, yes. And that's what I do. I mean, I love it to get some guests and help them make their core offer become stronger and become actually um, engaging. Because when you say this to people, they're like, okay, I understand what you do exactly. We can even do another process, which is a very, very beautiful one, which is, okay, why is reporting the news on the three C's uh, region important to you personally? Why does it matter and is meaningful? In the times of an overflow of information and social media that can stir a lot of negativity and in the times of fake news, the need for objective news is very, very high. And this is what matters to me and this is why I do it. I trust that I do my work the best way possible, having learned from the best mentors that I had. And I just want to deliver information to those who want to read it. I love and it. Date. So this is what drives me. Okay. This, is, this brings me to two beautiful things for your marketing. One is which word is more meaningful to you? Trust, objectivity, or up to date, if you had to choose one and you had like a gun to your head that you cannot choose more than one? The second one, objectivity. Okay. So a very, very good thing in marketing is to have a word that gives you clarity. And I know you love, okay, which one do you prefer, clarity or objectivity? Because I know you mentioned clarity more than once. 
I think still objectivity, it's complementary. Okay. So your word that should drive every decision, every message, everything that you put it is objectivity. So you even make like three C's rooster equal objectivity. In every email you sign it with like, my goal is objectivity. That becomes your driving one core message that you repeat every single time because studies showed that people need before they will, you're not real to them. I mean, I, I, I think you're awesome, but to understand that online, you're not real to people. They need to hear something from you at least 33 times or more to remember it about you. You're just some like hologram, like some virtual zeros and ones to them because they didn't meet you in real life. So you need one word that you keep repeating, repeating, repeating. And that's really a big essence of marketing is is clarity, which is what you're doing with your news, but we do it to messages. So I gave you the message and you'll get the recording so you can write it down. But the word that should drive everything because it's meaningful to you is objectivity. Can you find ways to make this like even in your Twitter description, like I strive for objectivity or one word, two points, objectivity or anything. Is this something meaningful and good? Uh, definitely. I, I, I think it's a thing because that... What happens, uh, hmm? what happens is that we as innovators and people who are excited about ideas, we keep changing and speaking about so many ideas and it's wonderful, but there needs to be like a foundation, one thing that we keep saying in everything. So to you, I believe that objectivity can be your word. Can it Thank be? You. Does it feel meaningful? Yes, it definitely does. It's 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 what I've been using uh, probably unconsciously. Yeah, and it's not I enough because to... people don't know right. what you're using unconsciously. And definitely. To ask you to take... <laughs> yeah, and to take it one step further. Was there any experience, maybe at the Financial Times, maybe in your life, a story, a moment where you realize the importance of uh, the of being objective, of objectivity? And now we're doing like the superhero branding, and every hero character has an origin story. You know, like Spider Man when his uncle died because he didn't take. That, that step and stop that thief and then the word for him becomes is uh, with great power comes great responsibility or Batman when his parents were gunned down in the alley well to you it's good to have an origin story for objectivity is there a story that is meaningful that touches your heart that to you symbolizes the importance or the realization of the importance of objectivity I think I had many of those experiences in the financial times. During my work there in Poland, there were a lot of topics that were um, very heated, I must say. And to get through those topics, that's where the objectivity came into place. So really introducing the side of the story for both um parties involved when it came to uh, political topics or social changes or legal reforms. Um, it's hard even for journalists sometimes, but this is what this job 
incorporates. So just introducing two sides and keeping the least emotions possible in the written form as possible. Yes, the least emotion possible in the written form. Is there a story? Because I love what you're saying, and you're a great writer, and I'm sure your objectivity is wonderful. And the thing is, the human brain is evolved to believe stories more than facts. And I love that you're doing this, and your target audience loves that you deliver facts objectively, but you need a story. And what the story needs is characters and the, the character needs to want something and to have an obstacle. Like, for example, you can say, I was, okay, let, let me think about objectivity. Yes, um, maybe I, I was in the Financial Times and I wrote this piece about this uh, woman who was in the farm and people came and they took her farm and she was crying and I wanted to stand for her, but then my supervisor came to me and sat me down and told me, you know, I love your enthusiasm and your idealism, but we are reporters. So that woman, yes, it's very sad what happened to her, but we need to keep our trust above everything because our trust is for generations and one individual's problem is temporary. There is always a time where the storm will pass And he told me simply, right, that uh, 30% of farmers in this region uh, lost their farm because of the law, this new law, number 53. And so there are opposition leaders who are standing against it. Don't write those things. And so I trusted that mentor and I wanted to learn, be better. And I wrote it that way. And then Next week, I met a a politician who came and thanked me and said, thank you for being unbiased in a world where so many people are taking positions, you stay objective. And that's when I decided to go on this journey of objectivity. You know, that's a story, not just, (laughs) you know what I mean? Yes, I I can share with you a a story um, from the Financial Times. And uh, And not just with me, share it with your audience, because to say I am objective is one thing. To say I am objective because something happened while I learned the lesson why objectivity matters. And to repeat that story forever, like every Spider-Man movie, they repeat that scene of his uncle dying every batman there needs to be a flashback to his origin story because humans don't understand your present without understanding your past and your past they only understand it by defining moments so there needs to be one story that you choose that you repeat that symbolizes objectivity for you and that is really it makes you become a person not just a virtual entity and then people will be like okay i trust this because it's a person who is choosing to be objective and i know that's difficult so i respect that thank you i do have such story definitely it's about um the coal um industry in poland it's a controversial topic um in Poland, in Europe, in the U.S., um, it's about quitting using coal. However, it's not that easy for people who have been working in the mining industry for years 
and it caused their health damages. It caused um, some tragic stories as well in their families. It's a very dangerous profession. And um, the trouble is how to make this transition easy for them in a way that also respects the environmental need for quitting using coal. So this is a topic that I covered in Poland for the Financial Times. Um, I went to a mining city for three, ta three days. I spoke with the families. I spoke with the miners. And of course, I also spoke with the law lawmakers in, in Warsaw. And um, there is so many sides to it, even more than two, because there is also the European Union, there is the Polish regulations, there are the workers, the whole industry, the investments. Um, it's, it was very complex and it took a while to write this analysis. And uh, it, it's, it's definitely where I learned how to make an objective piece and deliver it. Of course, having some emotions when going through those days, but not putting them on the paper, as I mentioned before, just to show what is in stake and what are the options for uh, this problem. Yes. So what happened is you were there in Poland covering, you had this assignment to cover the coal situation and you thought it was going to be easy but the more you learned about it the more you learned that it's very complicated there are human beings at stake some people who have been living and their livelihood and businesses and work even for generations came from the coal but there are the environmentalists and the politicians and so many other people who want to stop this and you cared for those people whose future will literally be destroyed and you also cared for the environment and you were torn between those two um, parties and two viewpoints but then you remembered your mission to be a reporter to leave that those emotions outside of the page and although with every word that you wrote your heart was breaking a bit more like pieces of glass with every drop of virtual ink, you kept your emotions to yourself and you delivered a piece that was objective and you were so proud of yourself that you kept your principles even during such a strong temptation to take a stand that was actually right in your, in your values, but what was even more right is to remain objective. Could this be a nicer, like, representation of what you said? It's, 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 more, it's what happened. Yes, it is what happened. It's about both sides, or as I said, even more sides to the story and just finding a solution, hopefully, in the ideal world that suits everyone. Wonderful. So now... You remain objective because you understand that to every issue there are two or more sides and therefore you cannot have the hubris of pretending to support one side because you know that other sides have their own 
rightness and their own correct part. So it's better to deliver the information and the data without emotions and because anybody who is taking position is hiding a part of the truth. I mean, um, there's a place for this in analysis or publicity, but what I deliver is the AP form of information. So it's on purpose that I do not incorporate my opinion or that I do not write just from one side, but there is place in journalism for this type of pieces. It's not just the one that I um, include in my newsletter. My newsletter, yeah. what I write is in an AP form of um, delivering information, which I uh, enjoy the most. I love it. And let's say, uh, find a metaphor. I mean, I know I'm taking longer, but I love this. Look, you said your format is the AP format, but I'm sure it's not legally possible for you to say that on your website or anything, correct? Or can you say, I am the uh, the AP of the Three Seas region? No, I <laughs> do not possible? say that. I do not use it. I, I strive to be like AP, but um, what I use is cre- clear and reliable and concise information. Great. And that represents you, objectivity. Yes. Thank you, Yvonne Uber. And uh, is, uh, how can people find you if they want to know more, if they want to subscribe to the Three Seas Rooster and to lo- hear from you more? What are your links and locations? The website on which you can subscribe is www.rooster.news. And you can find me also on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn. All of them have a tag three, numerical three, C's, rooster. And I will put some of your links in the description to this episode. It was a pleasure and I wish you a fantastic day. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me and um, I hope you will subscribe as well. Thank you.